Hello everyone, you're listening to Yankees on the Prem. I'm going to reintroduce everyone in case you missed our first episode. I'm Anderson, a recent journalism graduate from Brew College and a Chelsea fan. I'm joined by my cousin Jonathan, who is also a Chelsea fan, and our friend Frank, a Red Devil supporter. On our last podcast, we spoke about how coronavirus would affect the Premier League and its players, and we also shouted out some predictions as to who would make it to Champions League and who's going to get relegated. Okay, guys, so the Premier League has officially returned, and a lot of games were played in a short amount of time. We're going to do our best to recap what happened and give our thoughts. Um, The first game I want to talk about is the Villa and Sheffield game, uh, which seems like ages ago. (laughs) But um, I wanted to say, is it really English football if there isn't a bit of controversy involving technology? As you all know, Aston Villa goalkeeper, Origin Island, caught the ball coming in from a Sheffield free kick, but he stumbled and fell inside his own net. The ball completely crossed the line, but no goal was given, and the game finished no-no. Sheffield were robbed of huge three points, um, and at the time we're recording this, Sheffield are three games in and have scored zero goals and conceded six. But they'd have three points out of a possible nine if they were awarded that goal. This is a club fighting for Champions League. Uh, What do you make of this incident from uh, with the goal line technology? I think it's a shame. Uh, then again, uh, I want to start off by, you know, noting I do not fault brief decision as he even pointed out during the game. I don't know if you caught it. He was pointing to his watch and he said he got no indication that the ball crossed the line. Now, at first seeing this, I figured, you know, some faulty technology or maybe it just wasn't turned on, something as simple as that. But then again, you know, I, I've always argued this when... Uh, technology was introduced into the sport a lot of people argued that it would take away the passion of the game so can people really be mad if they're getting the passion that they had you know just a few years back it, it inspires you more yes it, it brings anger out of you but jo- enjoyment and i don't know all, all types of emotions a roller coaster all in like a few seconds i personally enjoy that myself okay i think that's a, a very unpopular opinion frank what do you make of it I think it's great that we're able to talk about VAR and complain about it again, and now that things are kind of going back to normal. Uh, just to point out, yeah, it was match week 29. It was a game unplayed uh, at the time of the recording. I know Sheffield already went through match week 30 and 31. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, those three points or two points that they basically lost, um, it's going to come down really close at the end of the uh, race for top four or top five, whatever happened to Man City. Um, you could see this probably go into some sort of legal proceeding if they don't make it because they were essentially robbed of two points. Uh, I understand what Jonathan's saying, and I know a lot of people complain about the fact that technology is being used, but goal line technology is very black and white. It's not subjective as VAR is because VAR really just depends on the preferences of the referees, whoever's manning. Yeah, who's ever in the VAR room. I agree, yeah. And, uh... Hawkeye really came out and pointed out that they apologize for the incident out of like 9,000 games that the technology is being used. It's like the first time a mistake has happened. Yeah, that was that was part of their official statement. Um, they said that there was uh, defenders and, and the goalposts and the goalkeeper were there was obstruction. They had seven cameras and that this ha- hasn't happened in over 9,000 games. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that's good enough. Uh, I don't think that's I don't think Hawkeye is excused. I don't think Sheffield fans are going to accept that apology. Um, this, I mean, this could have been, this could have been a final. It, it is a huge game. There is a lot of money on the line, a lot of money. Um, 
there's a lot to be played for. This is football at the highest level, literally at the highest level. This is first division in England, and you're fighting for a place in the Champions League. There's a lot of money, a lot of prestige on the line. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to point that out, too, that if Aston Villa don't get relegated and let's say they go through by goal difference or they're off by a point, whoever's right underneath them might think of suing the Premier League also. Yeah, it, it's it's um, it, it's not right because my argument is the, the back in, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, the fourth official on the on the goal line would have caught that. He would have seen that it gone in. So... I mean, why why not have both? I mean, I, maybe I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, but moving on, because uh, we can talk about we can talk about technology all day. Um, I want to talk about Arsenal, Arsenal and Man City, and uh, and just focus on Arsenal. So, <clears throat> so for our listeners, uh, we've recorded this a little bit later, and just been some developments uh, with Arsenal. Uh, so since Arsenal came back, they played Man City. David Luiz had an absolute stinker. Uh, he was directly responsible for the first goal, and then he fouled Mares in the box, uh, got sent off. It was a penalty. He, he was disastrous. Um, and then Arsenal go on to lose to Brighton last minute. Uh, Nicolas Pepe scores a beautiful curler. Brighton equalized from a corner that led to scramble in the box. And then Neil Mape, who injured uh, Arsenal's goalkeeper, Burnt Leno, who looks to be out for quite some time. I'm not sure how serious the injury is. He scores the match winner, um, 95th minute. And to make matters worse, Arsenal fans, I'm sorry, but David Luiz has been given a contract extension. So, One more year, right? Yeah, David Luiz has been given a contract extension. Shocking, but that was shocking. But it's Arsenal. So uh, if anyone's going to make bad financial decisions, it's going to be Arsenal. So guys. Forget about this season. I don't think Arsenal can salvage it. I think Arsenal fans will agree with us. I want to know what your thoughts are on what Arsenal have to do to become a top four club again, or even even top six. All right, Jonathan, you go first. Good point. Uh, yeah, even for top six, that's that's a really good point now. But in terms of Arsenal, I think they need a major rebuilding process. Uh, to be honest, I I always forget that old. I believe old is still on the team, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mesedozo's still on the, in the team. He he wasn't on the bench from at uh, at the Man City game for tactical reasons, and I'm quoting Mikel Arteta. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with him. Well, regardless of tactical reasons or anything like that, Ozil has been a shadow of himself for quite some time now. He's just, you know, eating up a big wage bill for Arsenal. You get rid of him and, you know, there's extra money to bring in another player right there. Someone who could actually perform week in and week out, not someone that decides to perform once every five games or so. Jonathan, let me uh, let me cut you off right there. Actually, because you bring up a couple good points, I want to talk about uh, Mari, uh, their Arsenal's defender who got sent off, uh, mm-hmm. just because not sent off, he was injured, uh, and and David Luiz came in for him, um, Pablo Mari. Uh, so <clears throat> basically, Arsenal fans online were saying. Uh, that they really they really like this guy. They like him at the club. They think he's quality and that he can fix their defensive issues. I want to remind them that he literally started the match with this awful, awful, awful tackle on Raheem Sterling. Oh, uh, right at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning. He almost gave away a penalty. It could have, it could have, like it was at the edge of the box. It could have been a penalty. Um, and, and he, I was not impressed. He, he doesn't look like he can play with the ball at his feet. Uh, so I mean, you guys like. 
like really Arsenal really need a center back like like Koulibaly from Napoli like they, they need a center back like a proper center back they need some... really think they're, gonna, they're gonna go to a bank and take I know they're, I know they're, I know is not gonna spend any money I know um, and and then you brought up Mesedozo so I wanted to talk about uh, Danny Ceballos who hasn't played that much and um, I was watching him play I was watching him play and and I'm on the fence about this guy. Like I, I thought he could replace Ozil, but some of his performances have been really lackluster. And uh, even in the Man City game, there was a moment where he could have sent Aubameyang uh, through on goal when it was still nil-nil. And I fancy Aubameyang to put it away. Uh, first of all, I fancy him to dust uh, whatever center back was playing. I don't know if it was Otamendi or Garcia. I, I don't know what to think about Ceballos. I think Arsenal like are like a mess. They're a mess. And uh, that being said, Frank, I want to know your thoughts on what Arsenal have to do to be a top four or top six club again. Uh, I think it's a great point that Jonathan brings up that I was eating up the wage bill. I mean, I know about this just from uh, Alexis Sanchez. But uh, watching, that could bring in two or three good players on, on the amount that they're paying Oza every week. I don't know how much it was, like 300000 or or is it two fifty? It's, it's still a high amount regardless. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the numbers, but it's it's not pretty. I mean, just to recap, like, the game against Man City, we also, uh, Granit Xhaka came off at the 7th minute because he had a calf injury, and then Mary came off, I believe it was be- before the 15th minute with the uh, injury as well, before they had to bring uh, Devi Luiz in. Um, he's just atrocious. I think he's, as when he came back to Chelsea the second time, I just thought he was bad. Frank, I thought he was great for Chelsea when we sold him. I thought Lampard was making a huge mistake. His partnership with Rudiger at the back wasn't perfect, but I thought it was good. He can play long balls. I, I, I mean, like, you, you have you seen the numbers compared to um, to his numbers at Arsenal? Like, it, they're, <clears throat> they're pretty, they're not very bad. I think he had, like, one red card in his second stint at Chelsea. I mean, is he a better midfielder? Yeah, probably, but I don't think he's a decent Center back. back. I mean, yeah, he runs up way too much. Yeah, I mean, he he play, He likes to move a lot into the midfield, which you know he leaves a lot of space behind him. But uh, just to recap that game, I, Arsenal they they were like a shell of their former selves. They don't seem to know what's gonna happen. Um, Arteta's pretty lucky if he doesn't actually make it into Champions League or any sort of European spot. He could just worry about the league and maybe rebuild the team if you know the money's there. But I don't think the board's gonna back him because it's it's Arsenal. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I see your point there, Frank. Okay. Okay, guys. So, moving on from Arsenal. Uh, next on the agenda is was the Spurs and Manchester United match. Uh, we had we saw Steve Bergwijn race past Harry Maguire and uh, knock the ball past De Gea with a powerful strike. Strike many feel that De Gea should be saving. And uh, I hope you all saw Roy Keane's comments about he's the most overrated keeper in the world and how Maguire and De Gea should be taking a cab back to Manchester, and about how he'd be throwing uh, punches at halftime. Um, <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about that in a moment, but first I want to mention that I thought the officiating in the match was terrible. Uh, look, I'll make it no secret, I'm not United's biggest fan, but I just, I, I don't, they were almost gifted, they were gifted a penalty. Uh, fancy footwork from Pogba, I won't take that away from him. Great footwork from Pogba uh, to get past Dyer, but I mean he just falls so easily. The ref's got to use his brain here. I don't think that's a penalty. That there's hardly any contact, if any. And then even worse is that he had initially gifted Manchester United a second penalty 
for a challenge on Bruno Fernandes that didn't even exist. And Bruno Fernandes basically died, wasn't booked, whatever that happens. Uh, VAR actually corrected it because, I mean, that would have been just scandalous if Manchester United had won that match. Uh, so let's talk about that first. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, was the foul on Pogba, the foul, I say that with quotes, was that a penalty? And what do you make of United's overall performance? So I just want to point yes, one thing out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I just want to point one thing out. Like, although the officiating was bad, especially for that second penalty, I do want to point out again that is what VAR has been brought in for so again not the biggest I'm not going to be like attacking the ref that much um all right VAR VAR worked in this instance perfect that that's what we're hoping for but you know again I'm trying to play devil's advocate play both sides like all right does it work for sometimes yes and then the, the take of emotions for other time like I mentioned before absolutely but if we have it might as well use it I guess but in terms of that first penalty, I did feel it was extremely weak. Uh, so I do agree with you on that point. Like like you said, I don't take away any of the skillful uh, display from Pogba. Great footwork. But Dyer has been, you know, known to make stupid silly fouls from time in and time out. So I guess, what was it? It was like a, a, a slight little touch on the back. He that sent back. Pogba to the floor. Yeah, I, I, I don't think yeah, it was enough. But he put, he put his arm over his shoulder. If we're gonna go by the by the book, a foul's a foul, right? Like th- th- that's another thing people can argue. Um, overall performance from United, uh, I it, it was it was decent. I'm not gonna say it was bad. Same from Tottenham, uh, decent performance. Uh, you know, people are still coming back from the long break that we had. So I, I again, I'm not gonna be the biggest critic, even though I despise both teams, can't stand them. But then again, you know, from a neutral perspective. It's been, what, almost three months since uh, no 90-minute gameplay at the highest level, I guess you could say. So, you know, the decent performance on both ends. Uh, officiating was horrible. But I want to point out that the hair shot that wasn't saved leading to that goal, I, I-, I do agree. The hair has been way below his standard, I believe. He-, he had potential many years ago from the beginning to be one of the world's greatest and i think he is overrated at this point i think at some point he was one of the world's greatest i think he's on a decline which is a shame but um i mean it happens it happened to joe hart it's it, you can see it pretty easily when a goalkeeper's just not playing at his best i mean of course i was excited when this game started you know to watch Oli versus jose Mourinho again um it, it i thought it went exactly as i thought it would you know, Jose Mourinho would just sit back and let the pressure take on, and he would just counterattack, which is exactly how Bergwijn got his goal. Yeah, uh, Harry Maguire, boy, he looked he looked out of it. He looked <laughs> he looked like he was lost. So so he was Frank, completely off from his that's position. What you get. I'm sorry, but that's what you get for lying about your 10 mile run. <laughs> so Frank, um, Frank, uh, I, I'm glad you know we have you here. You're a United fan. Um, I think uh, De Gea has been called overrated, but he has been United's best player since they've been on the, the on the decline for what is it like 10 years now they they've been on the decline and he has been their best player he should he he should be the goalkeeper for real madrid right now don't forget that transfer fell through uh harry mcguire's been overrated you guys wanted to pay 80 million for him i mean whatever that's your bit of business that's ed woodward doing what he does best which is messing things up making a mess of it De Gea, i i think um 
first of all, I mean, why can't Sergio Romero come in and 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 start some matches, put some pressure on the hair? I don't think Ole's got the personality to bench the hair, and just you know. So you're you're saying as if Sergio Romero's better than the hair? He's definitely not. He's a great backup keeper, but he can't. His reflexes aren't what the hair's reflexes are. But you'd think a goalkeeper of this standard at this kind of club would be better to say, you know, would say make those saves and make it easy. But uh, he just has his blunders, which is a shame because he could make some amazing saves still. Yeah, well, if if the hair if the hair is is suffering from being prone to errors, uh, I think Romero is the better option, at least right now. You know, uh, I mean, there's no other, there's really no other solution, right? I mean, you could say that, but again, you can't really. It's easier to say things when they haven't happened, you know, than to see what Romero would have meant during that game. Right. But uh, like I said, I expected Mourinho to do exactly as what he did. Uh, just to point out, the penalty was a penalty. I mean, some sort of contact in the box is contact in the box, and if you want to be a dumb defender and try to wrap your shoulder around somebody else knowing that VAR is on, go ahead. I oh, no, Frank, no. Frank, this is England. No, we don't give penalties for nothing. Frank, of course there's going to be contact in the box. You're challenging, you're you're jumping in the in the air yeah, when headers... pull someone in the box he, and hope to get away with it. I, I think, like, I don't even think he Eric Dyer tried to tickle Pogba. Like, that, I think Pogba just felt like no, a hair say, uh, running full speed and and you pull someone back they're gonna fall down and you know they're gonna fall down because that's that's what the sport is happens everywhere it happens in Good. england happens in spain true that's true. just how true. penalties are won okay and if I... you don't fall down you won't win the penalty and you lose <laughs> the ball so i mean you can't that, that's you can't. true i guess i no no i mean pogba was being you know witty he was being witty but um before we move on from Manchester United, uh, I do want to say Dean Henderson, he's probably watching this and feels like he could come in and legitimately challenge for that number one spot. And I'm sure that's on the mind of many Manchester United fans. Even though, uh, just tracking a bit back to Sheffield, where he's currently on loan, um, they were they got thrashed 3-0 by Newcastle. They lost 3-0 back-to-back. And um, I thought he was pretty poor. He didn't play against Manchester United. He can't because that's his parent club, but I thought he was pretty poor against Newcastle. I wasn't impressed with him. And uh, there were some goals uh, where I just thought, like, De Gea, De Gea would save that. So I just want to say I definitely disagree with Roy Keane. And also, one more thing on Manchester United. You guys haven't lost since Bruno Fernandes has arrived. Um, uh, I've, been <laughs> I've been a bit annoyed with how United fans are, like, you know, like, praising this guy. But I've got to be honest with you, he looks like he's the real deal. He can shoot from distance. He's such a great passer. Um, he's he covers every blade on the grass, every you know every blade of grass on the pitch. He 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 looks like a proper signing, the best bit of business Manchester United have done in a very long time. Just want to emphasize that. Now, that being said, uh, some of the other things I want to talk about. Right, we mentioned Sheffield losing three 0 at Shane James's Park, and um, they've lost three 0 again at Old Trafford. They they're a hat trick from Anthony Martial. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about uh, Manchester United, but Frank, that is their first hat trick in a very long time <laughs> since Robin Van Persie last scored a hat trick. Seven years. Seven years. Yeah, that is that is seven years. that is uh, crazy crazy for a club like Manchester United. Um, we have uh, Leicester City. Leicester City tied one one with Watford. Watford drew level at the at the end uh, after a stunning strike from Ben Chilwell. Looks to have secured three points. And then we have uh, Wolverhampton 
who beat West Ham at the Olympic Stadium. Adama Traor came off the bench to inspire his side to a victory. Um, so speaking, looking at the situation now, uh, it, it doesn't look like Sheffield are going to make top four or top five, seeing at what happens with Manchester City. It doesn't look like they're going to get a spot in Champions League. But Wolverhampton certainly do look threatening. What do you guys think of Wolverhampton? How do you how do you rate their chances to make it into Champions League spot? Boy, as of late, I, I'm liking that Traore and the uh, Raul Jimenez connection. I believe one one of the last they played today, yesterday, uh, they just linked up for their tenth goal together. So I I think that combination has been proven deadly so last far this Wolves season. game was um, today, June twenty fourth. Oh yeah, Bournemouth. Bournemouth, and they won another goal from Raul Jimenez. Um, yep. I mean, I, you you know, it's funny speaking about Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore. Um, I, I, I thought <laughs> there was like a, like a rumor. It was, it's nothing but a rumor about Raul Jimenez being linked with Real Madrid. And I thought, I really like, I, I think he, I think that's like <laughs> who Real Madrid need. Uh, not Luka Jovic, who's been on absolute flop, but I, I like Raul Jimenez. I think he's one of the best strikers. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put him up there with Agueros or with the Agueros or the Thierry Henrys, but I definitely like him. I think he's, I think he's class, and him and Adama Traore, not just not just those two. Those two are Wolverhampton superstars, but the entire squad, really. I mean, it's just with your goalkeeper, Rui Patricio. I mean, he makes some important saves. Uh, they got the skipper, Connor Cody. I mean, it, it they look like a really good team. It's hard to believe they were in the championship only two years ago. Um, so, yeah, Frank, what do you think about Wolverhampton? I think... Everything really is dependent on whether or not City are going to get banned from Champions League. But boy, are they playing! They're playing some exciting football. It's great to watch as a neutral. It's good to watch them. I mean, I definitely don't want them to sneak up past United. But boy, uh, watching Charlie bomb down that wing and cross it down to Jimenez during that West Ham Wolves game—that just shot from uh, Raúl Jiménez was just gorgeous. Agreed, agreed, um, for sure. Charlie um, just came off when he came off the bench. He made. A giant impact and really just changed the whole yeah, game. Yeah, no, the game was no-no before he came on and he assisted Raul Jimenez and then he uh, laid off one of the fullbacks. I think it was Daugherty who, who crossed it in the box and uh, set up the second goal, which was a volley. Um, I think, I mean, Wolverhampton, I mean, like, it, like it's theirs for the taking. I mean, I'd I would have liked to see Sheffield get themselves, you know, put some pressure on United and if they're putting pressure on United, they're putting pressure on Chelsea too, but so be it. Uh, but, I mean, they just don't... I don't think they can sustain themselves. I don't think Leicester will be able to sustain themselves either. Um, I think they're going to end up missing out. And at this rate, depending on how what kind of Chelsea shows up, uh, it might be... It might very well be uh, Chelsea and Manchester United taking the last two spots for Champions League. So, just Hold to... On. I, I just want to piggyback on that. Like, Sure. Going off Leicester's recent re uh, results, like I could see... A potential upset where even United and Wolves could potentially catch up to Leicester if Leicester continue playing this horrible form that they're in. And no, I know it's very early to predict, but I have not been impressed with them whatsoever. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think uh, for all the work that Brendan Rodgers has done, uh, I mean, the amount of games that are being played in such a short amount of time, they tied 1-1 with Watford, they tied 0-0 with Brighton, like Brighton missed the penalty, Mope, he missed the penalty that match. Um, 
it, it's just like like you need you need points you need points like you're, you're playing for like nine points in the span of like eight days you need points like people are going to catch up to you um so speaking of which that brings me to my next match which is uh chelsea and aston villa chelsea went chelsea dominated the whole game uh and then they go one nil down uh basically a scramble in the box it was a good save from keppa but it was a you know it's it's Frank Lampard's trademark zonal marking, which is just dreadful. It's bad. It's bad. Mark your man. Don't mark the area. I don't think that works. You know, Chelsea are so bad in set pieces. So naturally, after dominating the entire game, they go down 1-0. Uh, and then Kristen Pulisic, Captain America, comes off the bench, spires his side to a victory. It's two goals from Aspilicueta. Uh It was a left-footed volley from Kristen Pulisic at the back post. And then Olivier Giroud. Uh, basically just shot it in the box, uh, just inside the box. And uh, they came back 2-1. So, and now they play Manchester City. At the time of this recording, they're gonna, this is uh, Wednesday. They're going to be, play, be playing Manchester City tomorrow, Thursday. A huge game. If Chelsea beat Manchester City, uh, Liverpool, are, Liverpool are champions. Uh, they won't, their, result, their result against Manchester City won't matter. So with that being said, uh, what do you guys think Chelsea have to do? They already signed Timo Werner. They have Hakim Ziyech, uh, but they won't be arriving. The reinforcements won't be arriving until next season. And Tammy Abraham was on the bench in the match against Villa. Uh, what do you make of Chelsea's situation, right? They've been so unpredictable this season. They've had a terrible home record, decent away record. You think? Do you guys think they're going to make top four? Um, you know, normally if Phil's any other manager, I'd say it'd be of bigger struggle to top four it's still going to be a struggle but considering it, it is Lampard you know who's been at the club for such a long time and is well respected by everybody there I think this gives the players incentives to push even further and push deeper uh to their current fitness level you know uh I I don't think Lampard is the friendliest guy in the locker room I just don't think anybody talks about what really goes on. I think he will lay down the foot when he has to, and he expects 100%. Like I said, he, he's been at Chelsea for so long. He knows the high expectations that are part of the club, so he expects high things from his players, although some of them might have been his teammates just a few years ago. Um, I, I, I truly believe, you know, based off the break, only Liverpool have played their best. But out of everybody else, I feel like Chelsea picked off where they left off and they, they're continuing to play well, um, for the most part, at least. And just just noting that they weren't even playing with their full starting 11, or I believe their potentially strong 11. You know, like Pulisic came off the bench and look at the massive impact that he made. Yeah, Pulisic is uh, definitely making a case for himself to be starting. Um, it, I don't know why Frank keeps him on the bench, but he's the manager, he's the boss. All right, Frank... Uh, I'm sure you don't want to see Chelsea doing well, uh, oh, just man, as we don't. Yeah, of course. So, <laughs> but t tell us, give, what, what do you think? You know, uh, like I said, Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech aren't, aren't coming in for a while. There's been rumors about Kai ha Havertz, but I think those are, I want to say right now, I think those are baseless rumors. I don't think Chelsea are going to go absolutely mad and sign somebody they don't really need. Yeah, I don't think they need Kai Havertz. Like, yeah, let me just, let me just add on to that like uh i believe uh, lampard came out today saying that there was a rumor saying that there was a bid but he turned that down completely he said there was no bid whatsoever. I mean, he, he said it with the smirk and so fans are like trying to make the most of it but um i just worry about mason mount i wasn't his biggest fan at the start of the season 
but since uh, like I mean he was he was great against Villa uh, in Champions League. I liked him against Ajax and and Lil. Uh, you know I, I want to see him get more minutes. But anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, Frank, what do you make of Chelsea? Serious thoughts. Chelsea have had a good season so far. I mean you wouldn't have expected them to be in fourth at this start by this time of the season. Considering the uh, transfer ban and the new coach, uh, I understand it's Frank Lampard, but still, I mean, I didn't expect it. Uh, they've played pretty good football up to this point. They had a pretty good start to the season, as I said, but um, I guess really after everyone's coming back from quarantine and the break, we gotta make they got to make sure at least that they keep up the uh, expectations of actually getting Champions League. Um, it'll make a huge difference to what the talent they could bring in for next season, so that's definitely something Frank Lampard probably already has thought about but um as a united supporter i want to see them lose to man city so we can close that gap right now it's like <laughs> points chelsea still have that game in hand yeah uh, that's right I, I am a little jealous of the business that's been done by chelsea so quickly yeah uh i uh, yeah so it's uh you guys did beat aston villa i mean just to point out i mean that's what 17th place aston villa at the moment yeah that, that's so it's a three points we should have been yeah, we should have a pretty good squad beside yeah. uh, Jack Grealish. So, uh, yeah, our bit of business was done by Marina Granovskaya. She's the director of Chelsea Football Club. Um, she, she's done some great work. And I want to say, Frank, that I find it shocking. First of all, you bring up a great point, a great outsider's view. You know, us Chelsea fans, we feel entitled to Champions League. Nobody promised us Champions League. You know, nobody promised us Champions League. We have a young coach who had one season under his belt. Take, taking a top four club, one of the biggest clubs in England. So nobody promised, nobody promised us Champions League. It would hurt to miss out on it now, but we can't get mad at the players. We, these are a bunch of 19-year-olds. We can't get mad at the players. We can't get mad at the coach. He's done a phenomenal job. No way in hell did any, could have anyone predicted that we'd be in the place we're in. We're above Tottenham. We're above Arsenal. We're above Manchester United. We're above Wolverhampton. I mean, like, you know... We're only behind Liverpool and Manchester City and Leicester, but I get the feeling that we're going to pass Leicester soon enough. So, I mean, this is phenomenal. It really is. And so, that's... All right, so let's move on from Chelsea. Next club we have to talk about, unfortunately, <laughs> is Liverpool. The Merseyside Derby. Merseyside Derby was uh, was um, the most-watched Premier League game uh, of all time, I believe. Uh, first of all, Everton could have won that game. I'm sure, I'm sure you all feel <laughs> Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, all right, is is fantastic. I love him so much. I'm such a huge fan of his. Everyone, everyone in England talks about your Sancho's, your Madisons, your Grealishes. I don't. I cannot for the life of me understand why this guy isn't being considered. Like he should definitely be the second or third striker for England for England for the Euros. But anyway, that's beside the point. So Everton. Disciplined performance, uh, masterclass by Carlo Ancelotti. He almost stole the three points away from Jurgen Klopp. That would have been some victory. That would have been some victory. Uh, Richarlison had his comments about how Van Dijk is an overrated player. He says, <laughs> he says, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, and Sergio Ramos are all better than Virgil Van Dijk. So without talking about the game too much, because it was pretty uneventful, I think I recapped it fairly well. Finished nil-nil. Both sides had decent chances. Liverpool were frustrated. Everton had the better chances at the end. That's basically all that happened. Finished no-no. Actually quite boring. Um, so with Richardson's comments, what do you guys think? Marquinhos, Thiago Silva, and Sergio Ramos are all better than 
Virgil Van Dyke. I think Sir, uh, Virgil Van Dyke's a pretty good defender. I really can't speak for the rest of them. I really don't watch any Spanish football. Um, I yeah. think he's his positioning's amazing. His aerial battles are great. Uh, he knows how to control the back line. He's all around amazing. I think he shines in that Liverpool team mostly because of the quality they have in attack. Almost never brings the ball back to the, the defenders. Um, whenever United play him, I mean, in the two times pre-quarantine, I always thought he was a pretty good player. As far as the derby goes, uh, I, I I honestly didn't. It didn't feel like a derby, maybe mostly because the fans weren't there. Uh, I guess that's a really important part of it. But um, I just I found it a little uneventful. Yeah, well, it was quite boring. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, Jonathan, what do you make of Virgil van Dijk? Is he a bit overrated? You know, Richarlison's comments uh, kind of remind me of what Michael Ballack had said about how Virgil van Dijk had, didn't have to go up against uh, your Diego Costas and your Didier Drogbugs. He even drops Adebayor there. <laughs> so what do you make of it? I wouldn't say he's overhyped. I think he's proven himself to be arguably the world's best center back right now. But in terms of like, if you want to compare it to like prime Thiago or prime Sergio Ramos, um, I would say he, I wouldn't even want to say he falls shortly below them. Uh, it, it, it could be argued, honestly. I, I, I have nothing against him. I, ever since he was at, uh, well, the Southampton, I, I regard, I put him at a, at a high pedestal. I, I liked what I saw and he's proven everyone wrong. So as far as I'm concerned, even if he wants to brag, Everybody else is just gonna hate on him right now. He what he's done over the last two seasons has been, you know, just incredible. I I, I can't say anything negative about him. Okay, I, I see. I I think uh, Liverpool do have a great defender on their hands. I think the comparisons between him and Maguire need to stop. I think Virgil Van Dijk is clearly the better defender. Is he? You I'm know, sorry, Maguire doesn't have to be. Does, does, should not even be compared anywhere near him. <laughs> yeah, I really I, don't like the comparison either. To be honest, I mean, Virgil Van Dyke's done pretty great things. I mean, they're they're. Uh, he's a Champions League winner, best in the league right yeah, now. He's a Champions, Champions league, league winner. Yeah, he's about to be a Premier and League I winner. Think the comparison's only there just because of the price that was paid for Harry Maguire, which mm-hmm. I mean, you really can't blame anybody but the club for spending that much money. I mean, he's an English talent, so. No, I mean, good, good, know, good bit, that. good bit of business for Leicester. I mean, uh, Johnny Evans is yeah, in the starting course. lineup, and he's. You know, I mean, I could hardly tell the difference between him and Maguire. <laughs> Maybe he's worth eighty billion too. But um, so I mean, I I like Van Dyke. Uh, my thing is, Virgil Van Dyke. I feel like he hasn't been tested enough. He hasn't been at that top level for years. And Sergio Ramos is like football's biggest villain. But man, is he is he good? He is great. So great. So physical. He gets away with nasty fouls, but so be it. I mean, he's just. And he's so good in the air. Like, uh, I, I would pay to see a striker, a forward, beat Sergio Ramos in the air. I mean, that would that's something. You know, Sergio Ramos is a bully, and he defends, and he does it well. I think uh, I think the day will come. I think, you know, as Van Dyke gets more Champions League football games under his matches, under his belt, and he and he plays against the Luis Suarez's and the Messi's and the Cristiano Ronaldo's, I think he's going to struggle a bit more. Um, or, or he'll show his class. We'll, we'll see, but I mean, he's been a great signing for Liverpool. I'm not going to call him world class, though. I think he's a Premier League. He's the Premier League's best defender, but I wouldn't call him world class, at least not yet. So I'll, 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 I'll say he's world class. He, to me, he's proven himself 
It, it took him how many games? Like seventy something games to finally get dribble passed. It, ah man, I mean that statistic. I like. I just don't know. I think. I, I mean, you think about Liverpool's midfield, and like just how how great their midfield is. James Milner, Gigi Wijnaldum, Naby Keita was out. They got Fabinho at holding center defensive mid. You know, I. I mean, like, when you look at players that have gotten past the midfield, you know, you you have an entire squad of City when they were playing amazing who could dribble past anybody. You got. Uh, Bruyne and there, Sterling, Mares, Aguero, you know, just the whole squad almost. And then you had Hazard at Chelsea at the time. You, uh, These are just all, you know, talented players with the ball at their feet, and he still stood his ground and nobody got past him. Fair point, Jonathan, fair point. Um, and I do also want to mention that uh, Liverpool today, they beat Crystal Palace 4-0. So they're back to winning ways, um, which shouldn't be surprising. I was kind of hoping they'd choke a little, especially after that nil-nil drop with Everton. But 4-0, they've sent a message to, to the rest of the Premier League. They want that title, and they want to win it ASAP. So uh, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Um, stay tuned for us. Uh, we do have the coverage for a couple of big matches coming up, including uh, one that I'm particularly nervous about, and that's Chelsea. Uh, they receive Manchester City tomorrow at Stamford Bridge. Um, so, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you soon.